Well, welcome to the Values Driven Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Mankin, and the purpose of this podcast is to help you make meaningful progress on things that matter. In today's episode, a conversation with Scott Kadersha about what it means to really value your marriage and whether you're single or engaged or in a marriage that feels really easy or a marriage that feels really tough. There's something in this conversation for you. So I'm really excited for you to hear what Scott Kadersha has to say about what it means to value your marriage. When all is lost and the world is losing too, Well, Scott Kadersha is an amazing guy. He's been married to his wife, Kristen, for 16 years. He's a dad to four boys. He serves on the leadership team for the marriage ministry at Watermark Community Church. And that ministry has helped over 10,000 couples. And along with all of those roles in his life, he's also a writer. He blogs regularly. He's working on his first book, um, geared towards engaged and pre-engaged couples that are looking towards marriage. And that book slated out in 2019. So definitely keep your eyes and your ears open um, as he's working on that book, because it's going to be really good. As you'll come to find in this conversation, he has incredibly valuable insights about what it means to value marriage and then go out and put in place the disciplines that are required to grow intimacy and to realize that value in your life. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Scott Kadersha. Well, thanks so much, Scott, for taking time for uh, this conversation about the value of marriage. It's something that you're obviously very familiar with as a leader at Watermark in the marriage ministry. Uh, My first question is just why are you even involved in marriage ministry at all? Yes, it's a great question, Blake. So, uh, you know, when I was a young, young boy, I grew up and wanted to be a baseball player. When I figured out that wouldn't work, that I wanted to be a doctor. When that didn't work, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I certainly did not grow up wanting to be a marriage pastor or have like big dreams of it. No one has ever said they want to be a marriage pastor growing up. But uh, when I was about 24 years old, uh, became a follower of Christ in my life really radically changed in, in every way. And I knew I wanted to go into ministry someday. At that point, even didn't know, you know, marriage ministry, didn't know what that was. It doesn't even really exist in most churches. And uh, as I went through, you know, walking with the Lord, got married a few years later, went to seminary to help prepare to, you know, to go into full-time vocational ministry. And, and somewhere along the way, you know, when I got offered a job, uh, I, I Part of the job was working with married community groups. The other part was to be a marriage pastor. I didn't know what it was, but I kind of liked the sound of it and started working with pre-married couples and newly married couples at our church at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas, and, and absolutely loved it. And so it wasn't something I grew up wanting to do, really fell into it. It was part of my job. And, uh, you know, part of it that I really discovered was fun is I got to do ministry with my wife. I got to be with young couples who were excited about getting married and starting their marriages. And and out of really nowhere, just this job fell into my lap and grew to be an incredible passion in my life and love that I get to do it in in ministry. 
So you work with a lot of engaged couples, and uh, your new book is about engagement, the one you're working on right now. Um, and so I'm, I'd love to hear what are some of the most important things that couples should do or should be doing or thinking about as they are in engagement and getting ready to be married. Yeah, great question. So as, I, as I've looked at my own marriage and the way that Kristen and I pursue each other, I realize that I've got to lead with incredible integrity in this area. If I'm going to be someone who uh, can stand up in front of a room or write a book or write a post or you know even be on a podcast and say, here are the things I would encourage you to do, I, I know I've got to live that out on my own. And so my wife and I work, we love being married to each other, but we work really hard on our marriage to make sure that we're leading with integrity. And so as I see the things that, you know, that I might drift towards or bad habits that, that set in, I realize that those are some of the same things that uh, pre-married couples, engaged, seriously dating couples are, are apt to, to fall short on as well. And so as I've put those thoughts together for my own marriage and for you know working on my book, I, I've realized there are many things that couples can work on, but I've really tried to, to boil it down to the main uh, essentials that all couples need to address and be working on together as an individual and as a couple. So, you know, so as I, as I think about just your question, what do couples need to do to prepare well? There's so, so many things. I'm working on a, a, my first book right now that will come out in 2019. And so this is all top of head and very fresh for me. But I, I, how about if I just give you like four of them? Is that good? Blake? That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. all right. So there's many more. But w- one of them is just this role of community around them. And so uh, let me let me unpack that a bit. Uh, what I what I see so often is a couple is real involved. They've got a great group involved in their church. They've got a friend group, whatever it might be, and they hang out together. They do stuff together. But all of a sudden, they start dating someone and they pull away from everything else. They pull away from the friendships. They pull away from young adult groups in church. They just kind of isolate and hang out together as a couple. And part of that is, well, they just love being with each other and they want to spend so much time together. And in the process, they miss out on having people watch their relationship, observe how they're doing, tell them if they're excited or concerned. They, they just don't have any people really looking in on them. And so part of, part of my story is uh, Kristen and I started to date it was a long time ago. It was probably 1999, 2000. And we're dating and there were some unhealthy habits that we had in our relationship. And we had fortunately a good group of friends around us who essentially said, you need to to figure out some things in your own life before you even consider dating or engagement. And so our friends were among the first people to help us break up our relationship. The first time we dated Hmm. the second, you know, over the, over the next six months, we both got, really serious about our faith, about our friendships, about serving, about getting active in the community, all that. And those same friends who told us to break up were the ones who encouraged us to get back together to consider dating once again. And so I, I always tell couples, please make sure that you are uh, dating in community. It doesn't mean you always have to grow, go on group dates, but it means you should have people around you that are speaking into your relationship, telling you what's good, what's wrong, where you might be able to grow instead of just isolating and hiding as a couple. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. The second one I'd say is just continue to have fun. And so, especially for those couples that are, 
that are engaged, and, you know, and so many married couples fall into this ditch of, you know, as the engaged couples focused on the wedding and that's all they think about is wedding planning. And then for married couples down the road, they get so focused on everything else in life and they forget what it was like when they first started dating and pursuing one another. And so just always making sure that couples have fun together, that they are doing more than just preparing for their wedding day. They are going on dates with each other. They're being creative. They're doing things outside the box. They're not just stuck in this rut and routine. And so same thing for dating and engaged couples, you know, is go on a fun date, be creative. You know, one night she plans the date night and does something totally out of the box that she would not want to do, but it, she knows it will encourage and serve him and, and vice versa. That, and that's great counsel to follow in marriage as well. The third thing I, I would always tell couples is you've got to be teachable and open. And so I, I want to be teachable every day of my life and every phase of life. I, I would say, especially for couples who are seriously dating and engaged, is you've got to be open-handed with the relationship and teachable to what others might see in you. They might see some areas where you need to grow, some concerns. And so just being teachable in that shows a really shows a kind of a Christ-like humility that we all want and need in life and that will serve a couple really well on the primary side of their relationship. And then the, the last one I would say is just to get someone who's, uh, they don't necessarily even have to be older, but somebody who's in a different stage of life who can speak into your relationship, who can counsel you, who can encourage you. So get a mentor couple. Books are great. Obviously, I love books. I'm a I read like crazy. I love to write. And those are great and helpful, but there's just something different about sitting down with another couple and having a mentor who can help you grow as a couple instead of just thinking you can figure it out on your own. Hmm. Yeah. Community, having fun, teachability, and mentorship. I mean, those are great, great things to keep in mind for engaged couples. And after couples get engaged and they've been married and they're newly married and then get into the years, years of marriage, does that advice change at all? Or what would you add to, uh, to some of those points for couples who have uh, gotten past even being newly married or engaged and have uh, now some years under their belt in their marriage? Yeah, that's a great question. So no, the the answer is the same, right? It's be, uh, be open and teachable, have community around you, have fun, continue to date and pursue one another, have others around you that can help pour into you and shepherd you. And so I, the same exact things, you know, the other, uh, even a couple more that that might even be more important in marriage is, you know, is communication. And we talk about this all the time, no pun intended, but communication is such a, such a big deal. So if you are, uh, you know, the analogy I use, if you're a, if you're a baseball player, you're a a batter and you want to succeed, you've got to have a, you know, a 300 batting average is a great, batting average to have. If you're a pitcher, you want to have a low, you know, low number of runs that you allow every inning. If you're a quarterback, you want to throw a lot of touchdowns, whatever it might be. And so there's a, a measurement that you have in sports. That's, you know, a measure of success. It's the thing you work out. If you are a business person, you are probably uh, measured on sales and how you're doing it, marketing, whatever it might be in, in marriage, a similar piece is not your batting average. It's not the number of sales you make. It's, it's how well you communicate often distinguishes the, the good couples from the great couples. 
And so that means, you know, that's the, the combination of uh, we do a weekly meeting where we sit down. It's so boring. I don't like it. We try, you know, we do because we have to, but it's, it's us sitting down for a longer period of time. And it's really not boring. We try to make it fun, but you know, what are we doing for the week? Where are kids going? Making sure we're on the same page with one another. So there are times where there are longer blocks where we're going to communicate. But then there's also just a, the, you know, day-to-day communication where we text each other, we call, we, um, we're very intentional just about being mindful of one another throughout the day. When we see issues or challenges, we want to address them. We want to keep short accounts with each other. And so we're, we're kind of freakish on resolving conflict that we want to resolve, you know, discrepancies as quickly as possible and consistently as possible. And so communication is really the thing that sets apart most couples from one another is that just making sure that's a really high priority because that will distinguish most of the time how well a couple is doing. It's mm. great. And you're, you're really painting a picture of uh, a really healthy marriage, right? Uh, but I think... I know that I'm sure some some people listening to this right now may feel as if my spouse is not willing to do this work. I am totally with you, Scott. I hear what you're saying, and I am wanting to to communicate well. I'm wanting to have community around me. I want to be teachable, and I want to have fun with my spouse, and I'm willing to do that. But for whatever reason, I'm in a space in my marriage or even in my engagement, whatever the case may be, where that person I'm with, just does not show up to things and they don't seem willing uh, to do the work. So how would, how would you advise that type of a couple or that type of a person who's in that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. So one, I'm just really sorry. That's where, where they are. And it's so obviously so common around us. That's, you know, many, many couples struggle and it's such a, um, marriage is, is so, uh, so key in our lives. It's so very central to who we are as a married person. You know, your spouse is one flesh with us is what God's word says about marriage repeatedly. And so one is just, I, I'm so sorry that, that you're there and you're not alone was what I, what I would tell couples anytime. Second thing I would, I would tell them is, you know, there's a, a saying we use often around here at our church. It's, it's uh, draw a circle around yourself and work on everyone inside the circle. And so the concept there is that, yes, I could point the finger and talk about my spouse and talk about what they're not doing. But, but in reality, I, I've got a lot of things that I could do to make myself a more loving, more caring, more patient, more Christ-like spouse. And so the phrase we use is work on every, you know, draw the circle, work on everyone inside the circle. And, and the idea comes, it's not an original idea from Watermark. That's actually a very biblical concept. It's you know, from Matthew 7, 3 through 5, it talks about how we tend to focus on the speck in somebody else's eye when we've got a two-by-four in our own eye. And so instead of me worrying about the small thing that Kristen's done or even, even the big thing at times that my wife has done, I'm going to be more focused on working on myself. And so I would tell, one, you're not alone. Two, work on yourself. There's always something that we could do to help be a kinder, gentler, more loving more caring, patient spouse. Uh, I would say that just bring others in, as I talked about before, just the importance of community to help both of you as a couple and, and again, to realize that you're not alone. I would pray without ceasing. And so 1 Thessalonians 
five sixteen through eighteen, you know, one of the one of the verses in there, right in the middle, it says, "Pray without ceasing." It means that we're always praying for our marriage and for our spouse. And then we have a you know we have a great ministry at, at our church called Reengage. It's a marriage ministry for couples who want to grow and get help. I'd encourage anyone who's struggling to check out Reengage. It's not just at our church; it's probably at almost two hundred churches across the country right now that are offering it. And it's marriage help. Dot org. You can go on there. You can find a, a really uh, safe place to work on your marriage. And go even on your own. If your spouse won't go, you can go by yourself. But it's intended for couples who are who might feel hopeless or need some help in their marriage. Yeah, and, and I wonder even if you would be willing to share uh, what you've shared with audiences before and, and have shared with me just about even early in your own marriage where it wasn't as easy as uh, – as you maybe thought it would be, um, and and just how you uh, how you both worked through that in the midst of uh, in the midst of that season where where your marriage was challenging. Yeah, so we uh, our most challenging season. Make a long story short, shorter. A long most challenging season for us was when we had our, our twins, and so um, you know this was two thousand four. Uh, and to be clear, I didn't have them. My wife did, but I, I was there for, you know, <laughs> parts of it. And, uh, and this season of our marriage was, was so difficult for us. We were not sleeping. One of our kids was a, a colicky child. He cried and screamed all the time. And, and we just, you know, we were exhausted. We had no money. And I remember this one day we got into this big fight. I have no idea what we got into an argument over, but we're literally yelling at each other and I'm yelling four letter words at her and acting just like a complete idiot. And the end of it, just kind of banging my hands on the counter, just yelling out loud, my life is over, my life is over, my life is over. And, and you know, there wasn't like this, this, you know, light bulb moment right then and there. But a few, you know, a few days later, I remember thinking, Somehow I've made marriage all about me, that, you know, my life is over. It didn't matter that my wife is exhausted, that my poor kid was miserable and in pain and hurting. And, and none of that mattered. It was all about me and my selfishness. And so in that, you know, again, not in that exact moment, but a few days later going, my, my biggest problem in my marriage is not my wife. It's not my screaming child. It's me and my sin issues, my selfishness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so just realizing that if this thing is going to get better, and it has to from where we were at this point, then I've got to just admit the fact that, one, I'm, I'm broken, and I need help, and I need a Savior, and I need to walk closely with Jesus, and then I've got to be humble and apologize to my wife and love her well and you know sacrificially and selflessly love my family instead of being the selfish guy that I was. Mm. So good, so good. I just love that story of uh, of just how God has even redeemed that specific testimony of sorts because it's I know it's an encouragement to me and I know for anyone who's in a similar season as you were they can hear that story and just say it went on and, and things got better and, and it, it, it doesn't always happen that way to where it feels as if there's a very visible redemption um, but yeah. just knowing uh, the value of, of focusing on my own issue, drawing a circle around yourself. That is a, yeah. a great point. So thanks for yeah. that. It's good. Um, and we've talked about engaged couples. We've talked about people who are in, uh, you know, years of marriage, people who are in difficult marriages. Now let's talk to people who are single and who want to be married, but 
uh, maybe aren't seriously dating someone or just don't have that prospect uh, on the horizon, how do you uh, speak to someone who wants to really value marriage in a God godly way and desires to be married, uh, but yeah. is maybe feeling discouraged? Yeah, it's great. Great question. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of thoughts on that. And, uh, you know, one, I love what, what Paul writes in First Corinthians 7. And so first, I would encourage anyone who might be struggling right now in that is just be encouraged by God's Word. There's not a lot I can say that would—there's nothing I can say that would, that would supersede what God's Word says about our stage of life, whether it's married or single. And then, the, you know, the, it sounds—we've um, heard it before, but the best thing to do is, is grow in intimacy with Jesus. You know, marriage is not— going to fix every problem. Marriage is great. Um, but what is it? You know, intimacy with Christ and, and a deeper relationship with him is something that's better than any marriage out there. Uh, I'd also encourage them. We have a really good, really incredible ministry called The Porch at Watermark. And and they teach on dating probably once a year. I would, I would Google The Porch dating series, and I would listen to some of those messages there's typically, you know, four or five week series on, on uh, when they do each one every year that are excellent teachings. And uh, each time they, they address this very question of what if I'm single and I desire to be married to desire. It's not a bad thing at all. It's a, it's a great thing. But God doesn't love the single person any less than he loves the married person. And so finding your contentment in Christ and um you know, desiring intimacy with him is the best thing that's out there, even better than any marriage. And so I'd consider, I'd encourage you to check that out. And I'm actually, the other thing is I'm reading a new book by Ben Stewart. Uh, it's called Single Dating, Engaged and Married. And uh, he does a great job of what I've seen so far of addressing every stage of life. And so be encouraged by what Ben has to say in his book as well. Hmm. What, just getting back to, to values and your own personal habits, what is your favorite habit that you do on a regular basis that you believe helps you realize the values that you have in your life? I love this question. Okay, so there's a, uh, I use an app on my phone that's called the Streaks app. And every day I have, you know, 10 different things that I track. And I'm a, this is a little bit weird. I know that, but it's just, it helps me. And so I track things like uh, reading my Bible journaling, you know, things I'm grateful for. Um, am I, you know, exercising? Am I drinking enough water? Things like that. There's, there's 10 of them. The, the 10th one and the one that, that actually is the biggest help for me is, is tracking my food and what I eat. Now that's not, I wouldn't recommend that for everyone. In fact, I don't, I don't know who I'd recommend it for. It's been helpful for me because I've figured out the one lever that affects the rest of my life more than anything is how well I'm taking care of my body and eating. And I, I don't have as much control over my schedule, over interactions I have, over time for exercise. And I do have control, some level of control over all of those. But the thing I have really have almost complete control over is what goes in my mouth. And, and my biggest struggle is, is not taking care of my body, not eating well. And I found that if I eat well, if I track, then that affects every other part of my life. It affects my energy levels, my passion, my relationships, how I feel, how I look, my health. All of that is connected. And so uh, my, I would say this is my uh, least favorite but most helpful 
habit I have that helps me realize every value is just making sure that that I know what's going inside my mouth and inside my body and taking good care of myself as best I can. Mm, that's awesome. And the Streaks app, you're right, is a is a great way to help track uh, those daily daily disciplines. Uh, that's so good, so good. Well, lastly, Scott, I mean, thanks so much for the time. How how can people get in touch with you and maybe feel free to just share a little bit about your upcoming book as well? Yeah, great. So uh, so I blog and write at scottkadersha.com. And so uh, it's not easy to spell. I know you'll have it as, as a link or people can, you can just Google what it sounds like. But uh, I love to write about marriage, parenting, relationships, books, ministry, leadership. And so I typically write once or twice a week on all those topics. And then I'm on all the you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at it's S Kadersha. Uh, would be the best way to get in touch with me on any of those. And then, you know, any interest in uh, what I mentioned marriage ministry-wise, you know, at Watermark, we've got incredible marriage ministries. Uh, Those can be found at watermark.org. And then, as I mentioned, if, you know, if there's somebody that's struggling in their marriage or you want some help or some hope, marriagehelp.org is not a direct link to me, but that's a link to some of the marriage ministries that we do here at Watermark that might help you grow in your relationship. Thanks to Scott Kadersha for having a conversation around what it really means to value your marriage. If you'd like to see any resources or links to things mentioned in the show, visit the episode page at valuesdrivenproductivity.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to this show almost anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a spare moment, please do leave the show a review on iTunes. I would love to hear your feedback. You can also get each new podcast and post delivered to your inbox by joining the email list at valuesdrivenproductivity.com slash subscribe. Well, thanks so much for listening to the show. And until next time, make meaningful progress on things that matter.